0: Life Audio.
1: live a resilient life, and what pillars need to be in place to keep us on track when we're moving the right direction. So often, even on this show and in other venues, we talk about how to get back to where we need to be. Things have become difficult. The obstacles have jumped up in front of us. There's traumas and trials. We talk about all of this. How do we move forward in spite of those? One of the questions we need to ask, and something we need to spend some time talking about, Is how we can put the right pieces in place to keep us moving forward when we start right so that we will end right. Today, I have the opportunity to talk to a good friend of mine, someone I've known for a long time. I've had the opportunity to uh, not only spend a lot of time with him, but interview him for other podcasts and in other places. He has recently written a book. Uh, John Davis works with us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation. He has been a police officer. He was in the United States Army. Uh, and he has a story that is a difficult upbringing, making good decisions, starting his law enforcement career right, falling into a dark hole, which he'll talk about, and then understanding how to uh, find the hope and find the purpose and move forward. But in this conversation that we have, and you'll hear in just a second, we have the opportunity to go back and ask the question, what pillars should have been in place and what does that look like? Uh, very helpful conversation, one that I know you will appreciate and you get the opportunity to hear in just a minute.
0: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now, 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life.
1: Hello and welcome to the March or Die show. Very glad to have you joining me and looking forward to jumping into this incredible conversation. Before we get there, I want to remind you, if you're not yet subscribed to the podcast, please take some time to do that. You can subscribe from your favorite podcast platform, March or Die, the March or Die show. Or better yet, go to Jeremy jeremystalnecker.com. Dot com And you can find uh, connections to this podcast, connections to my blog, other contact information there. And I'd love for you to stop by jeremystalniker.com. want to jump into this conversation today. John Davis has been a friend of mine for uh, some time. And uh, incredible story, a difficult story in, in a lot of ways, uh, brought up in a very difficult situation made some decisions early in his life that he was going to change his situation, was on the right path, going the right direction, and then life happened and career happened and decisions were made. Eventually, found himself in a dark situation, had to understand what God still wanted to do in his life. We talk about all of that. One of the areas we spend some time really diving in is on this this idea or this understanding of the pillars that should be in place in our life if we're going to keep moving forward in the right way, and I'm really excited to be able to share this conversation with you, I uh, hope you'll enjoy and listen, and then subscribe and then share <laughs> this conversation with my friend John Davis. John Davis, what's going on, man? Hey, how you doing, bud? Good. It's uh, it's good to talk to you. We just spent some time together last week, um, but I, we we've done podcasts and different conversations in the past, but nothing on this. And I wanted to to talk to you and share your story with the March or Die audience, because I think it fits so well into what we talk about all the time here, that life throws stuff at us. There are obstacles, difficulties, trials, traumas. Sometimes we create it. Sometimes it's created for us. But regardless of how we find ourselves where we are, we have to move forward. And um, you and I are good friends and known you for a long time. And When I met you, you were kind of, in a lot of ways, I think, beyond some of those real deep, dark times of your life. Um, but as I've gotten to know you and heard your story and come to understand where you've come from, and, you know, I respect you so much, particularly knowing your story. So I wanted you to to share that a little bit, if you could. When you and I met, um, I guess we met because of Mighty Oaks, because of the work of Mighty Oaks. We were also training at the same jujitsu gym, so there were a lot of crossovers. We had some mutual friends in common, um, but you had just gotten married, I think. You and Quinny had just gotten married. When we met, you came to one of our programs. You got really involved with what we're doing. As a retired police officer, you got very involved with our first responder program. So that's where we're, where you were when, when I met you, and I would say, and I don't put words in your mouth, right, but <laughs> it seemed like things were pretty good for you. But you were coming out of a really difficult season, so maybe you can start with you know, kind of where you were when we connected, when we met, and then go back and tell the story of how you got to that place, because it was not without Extreme Challenge. You've recently written a book about this, which we'll talk about as well, but um, yeah, I'd love for you to just kind of start there and then work backwards.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, like when we met, um, we met because I joined Carlson Gracie over there, and and then uh, Chad, who was one of our instructors, you know, yeah. seemed like a cool guy, fighter, military, <laughs> Christian, because he had the verses yeah. on the on the geek. We always talk about right. that. that right. <laughs> yeah, so he, he was cool. And then uh, the I Am Second video came out on Facebook. He had posted it. And my wife, uh, Quinny, who also works for Mighty Oaks, she was like, John, yeah, you should watch this. And I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. And she was on me all day. And she gave me one of those before I was going to bed, like, you need to watch it, like telling me. <laughs> you need to watch this video. <laughs> yeah. And as yeah. I watched that video, and I always share this, it's easy to share. Um, I didn't know much about Chad other than the military. I didn't know he was a police officer. And the beginning of the video is a radio call when he got in a shooting. So instantly I was like, oh, my gosh, okay, let me, let me really, I'm sitting up listening to it. My heart's racing a little bit as it does when we go back to our own yeah. things that we've dealt with. And uh, I just listened to a story, and it was amazing because it was not the similarities of military or law enforcement or martial arts. That wasn't really what did it for me. That was just some of the things that we had in common. Um, it, was, it was what he was sharing from his heart and the issues and how he failed as a husband and he failed as a father. And he became somebody that, that he didn't want to be. And that's what I connected with. And as you shared and we already stated, I was not a good place at that time. Man, I was happily married. Uh, I was walking with God. I mean, life life was good. Um, actually, it was, it was the best. And I was forty. How old was I? About 47 at the time, Mm. 46, 46. I think it was 46. And it was the best place i had been in my life um, in all aspects. Family was good. But the aspect of the thought of somebody actually understanding what was going on inside me, um, I thought there was nobody out there. And I was okay with it. Like, it wasn't, like, holding me down and I wasn't, again, we talked, I was in a good place. But I still felt like there was nobody that could ever understand me. And when I watched that video, I was just blown away because th- there's one person in this world that can understand me and the failures and mistakes I made, and it's Chad Robichaux, who's my jiu-jitsu coach. And I was so excited, man. I was sitting there like tears in my eyes, just it was this weight that was lifted off of me that it it was indescribable. So when I saw him at the gym and he's like, he's like standing there and I just go up to him I'm just babbling stuff and he's just smiling at me he's like go to a program I'm like you're talking about a program I didn't really know about Mighty Oaks um, programs PTSD that was just like I always say it was some virus that post 9-11 combat guys got not me I don't know what that is
1: Um, right
0: but he's like program and and then I went to a program my wife encouraged me to go to the program and When I got there, the thing that blew me away was it wasn't just Chad, it was every team leader that spoke transparently and from their heart. Um, It's been every student that has spoke transparently, been honest about their life. And it's not the circumstances, um, you know, whether it's combat or personal trauma or law enforcement, it is the thing that connects us all is what goes on inside us and the struggles and and the feelings and the emotions and you know, some of the coping mechanism, whether it's alcohol or porn or infidelity, those are those are how we dealt with it. And it's not that exactly. It, it, again, it just goes back to the heart. And I've been able to connect with so many, like, again, every single one of them and what's going on inside them. And that was every single time. It never gets old. It never gets uh, healing for me. Even being at Mighty Oaks for, for seven years, sharing my testimony couple hundred times probably writing the book every single time I hear it or every time I speak it um, it helps me helps me go forward it helps me strengthen myself um, the man that I really want to be which is a man of God and man God created me to be it pushes yeah. me in that direction
1: why is transparency so important this is something that you know we talk about a lot and we try to lead in our programs and as we try to help people with transparency we want to let people know what is going on inside of us but what i've learned over the last you know several years i've been involved in ministry for a long time 20 years i've been involved in ministry church ministry pastoral ministry uh, working with mighty oaks and w- what i've i've learned about transparency and particularly transparency in the sense of i'm going to share with you my struggles so i can help you it's very uncommon and it's very uncommon in in the christian world unfortunately uh, why is is being transparent and being willing to be transparent, number one, why is it so unusual, and then two, why is it so helpful? You, you talk about how man there 's one guy in the world who knows what what it 's like to struggle the way that i've the way that i 've struggled. Why is it so unusual for people to be honest that way, and then on the other hand, why is it so helpful when people are
0: well it 's so unusual I, I think, and especially for men because we look at sharing those things. Things that have d- done to us, you know, whether it's physical abuse, sexual abuse—two things I dealt with as a kid—are right. the mistakes, um, infidelity, you know, failing in my marriage, uh, stepping outside my marriage with other women. Those, I, I never feel good about those. It, it's 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 always difficult. Writing the book, sharing yeah. testimonies—it never gets easy. I never feel good about it. Um, so there's that aspect. There's also the aspect of looking at it, uh, being looked at as weak us as men like those things don't bother us um the things that we deal with the struggles whether it's anxiety or depression i mean especially in the 90s especially in law enforcement man we just deal with things we see things and we're men we're warriors you know Uh, those things aren't supposed to bother us right and and that's a lie we know that's a lie and to speak it it's almost like i'm saying i'm weak which again it's such a lie and something I really emphasize with everybody I talk to that that's not a li- that is such a lie and it's ex- the opposite because when I hear men speaking of that to me I look at that strength You getting up there talking about combat or law enforcement or shooting this guy or doing this, man, that doesn't impress me. But when you can get up there and really share from your heart the the struggles that you're going through, the mistakes you made, that's strength. And to get to that place, it's not easy. It wasn't easy for me. It took a long time. I mean, up until I was 44 years old, I kept all that stuff inside. Nobody Mm. knew those struggles. Nobody knew the things that happened to me as a kid. I wasn't going to talk about that stuff. I wasn't going to be weak. So it's extremely useful. Now, Why it's beneficial, Um, I'll say two reasons. Number one, for me personally, for us, when we share and we're transparent and we clean those things out, those deep things, those dark things, those things that have really affected us, um, it's, man, I just break it down The one word, uh, freedom, because when I share those things, I feel like I can move forward. I feel like, actually lighter, (laughs) you feel lighter when you share these things, and the freedom in Letting that thing out, walking around without that pit in your stomach when it, it just burns, and I think a lot of us as men can understand what I'm saying on that because whether it's not telling your wife something or having this secret inside you, when you walk around with it, man, it's just like it just burns at you, and and the longer you yeah. go, the worse it gets. But when you release that, when you speak it, and understand that, man, I. Got, I'm just letting it out, man. I, I'm being transparent. I'm sharing these things. It helps you go forward as a man. Now, man, the, the benefit of that, and, and again, I said it like, it's never easy uh, to do yeah, that. Right, it right. like it's never easy, man. Half the time right. I'm crying, sharing about it, you know, sharing about, man, my actions caused what it did. It, it's it's tough. But now I know how beneficial it is, the, the, the lightness, the freedom, the strength, the move forward by doing it. Mm. And with that, the other huge benefit, which really motivates me to keep on doing it, is how it connects with other men. And when I I say it and another man says, man, I understand that, and they say, I'm going to share something I've never shared before, right, because of what I shared. Man, you, you have to do it. You have to keep yeah. doing it. You got to get the word out there because there's so many of us, so many men and women that that keep these things locked up inside, burning, rotting our soul. When we release it, uh, man, and just knowing that, uh, knowing, it, so many times, uh, and I got a great story about that too. You mind if I share a yeah. story, really? Quick?
1: Yeah, do it. And, and,
0: it was, it was about this, it was about this guy I'd called being the applications coordinator for Mighty Oaks. I called this guy, uh, and I'll try to make the story short. And, uh, I said, Hey man, can you go to this program in Texas? He's like, who is this? And I'm like, John Davis from Mighty Oaks. He's like, Oh uh, yeah. Where's it at? <laughs> I'm like, California. He goes, Roger that. I'll be there. I'm like, you're good. You need anything? You need a flight? No, I'll drive there. I'm like, okay. So I see him at the program. He comes up to me and he's like, he's like, John, uh, when you called me, I was on my way to kill myself. I got in an argument with my wife. I had my pistol, my shovel, my poncho, and I was going to dig a hole, bury myself, shoot myself in the head because I want to spin and turn in hell. And I was like, "Whoa!" Wow. <laughs> crazy, crazy way to start. Well, it gets yeah. a little bit better, and then we go and show
1: <laughs> crazy way to start.
0: <laughs> we were split up, so I didn't hear his testimony. We sat down to eat, and he puts his headphone in my ear, and he goes, "I want you to listen to this." And I started listening to his testimony. Now that. That program, you were there, Jeremy, because I shared about it was the first time I shared about being molested, and it was that female oh, yeah. babysitter. I'd asked yeah. you, I said, Hey, this kind of came up. Should I share it? And you're like, Well, if God, you know, is is pressing on you to share it, share it. So I did. So this this guy I'm talking about, when I'm listening to his testimony, he got molested by a female babysitter. Hmm. And he said to me, So he said to me, he goes, first you called me, but when you shared that, I knew God was real. I'll never doubt him again. And I was like, wow. man. Wow. And that's one of so many stories I have of being at programs, sharing things. And guys go, man, that's what, that's what helped me. When you stood up there and said that, man, I knew I could share it. So, man, sharing that stuff and seeing that. And again, countless times. That's one of so yeah. many stories. Uh, that yeah. could go on and on. We could do a whole podcast on these stories yeah. of that happening. Um, man, it just motivates me and inspires me and drives me to keep going forward and and keep sharing from my heart. And all of us, man, all of us, every single one of us have a story. And it's it's there's other people out there that we get to connect with. And man, it, it's amazing. There's nothing like it, man. The whole the whole the the phrase, and I heard this along. It, long time ago in mighty oaks was like we can't change our past as much as i wish i could you can't change it but we can give it meaning and and giving it meaning man i mean honestly it's, it's what i want to do the rest of my life
1: that's good it's crazy because we all think that if we share what's going on in our heart those deepest darkest secrets that no one knows about or that very few people know about that it will cause damage. And there may be some collateral damage, right? Some things you have to work on and some relationships you need to mend. But it does, it creates so much freedom. And when you're able to see that in someone else, it, it's crazy because you see it in someone else and you think, well, maybe maybe me too. And if you're in a safe place where you can share those stories, it's it's unbelievable how much freedom comes from just being honest with yourself and realizing Man, I'm not alone. <laughs> this is not unique to me. I'm not the only one that's ever dealt with this. There are a lot of people who have dealt with this. And, you know, if it's at a program, there's a lot of people sitting in this room who know exactly what this is like. But even just in life, I mean, I think there's such a lack of transparency in life. We're hiding so much and we're damaging our soul as we do it. And, man, what an incredible story just as an illustration of that. Um, when you wrote your book, and I'd like for you to talk about the book, um it it really is that right it's it's you telling your story of the good the bad and the otherwise and one of the reasons i I like the book but i like your story so much is is to me it's really a picture of redemption when i think about redemption i've talked about this before when i think about like salvation redemption you know what is that well that's you know a person me being broken away from God without hope, and God redeems me. He makes me valuable because of him. I'm valuable because of him, not because of me. And, and your story is that. It's you know, good decisions, bad decisions, stuff that happened to you, things you, you did. And through it all, God was there, and God redeemed your story and is now using it in, in countless lives. Um, can you talk about the book a little bit, the story that you tell in there? You don't have to tell the whole story. want people to buy the book. but But tell the story, and then... You know what what that process you, you told me about this, but what that process of writing uh, kind of did to you. Man,
0: when I started writing the book I thought first of all I, I thought it was gonna be easy.
1: Yeah. My <laughs> right.
0: Whoa. I was blown away as I just sat there and and you get you get so deep when you're writing it, man. Mm-hmm. It was it was First of all, it was extremely healing for me, which I didn't think (laughs) I needed more, Um, but it really was because when I was going through this thing, especially in my childhood, really getting deep and dark and not dark, but but deep into those moments, which was very dark, um, the emotions that were so real and so many more things came back to me. Um, just, you know, for example, like I go into the book, just, you know, coming home from football practice and, um, just hearing the, the violence in the house and my stomach turning in knots and then just going to my bedroom and, and laying there and uh, just laying there and uh, reaching out to God and just wishing Yeah, my life wasn't what it was. Wishing for a happy family, praying again, I wasn't a Christian as a kid, but I always had a reverence for god and and I did pray a lot when I was a kid, especially in those moments when you're hearing you're hearing violence in the other room yeah so being able to go through that like and really take my time it was it was extremely man extremely healing and uh It felt great. I mean, it didn't feel great, but it was, it was, uh, I guess, emotionally just because I really didn't think I had so much stuff still deep down that I needed to deal with. So going through that and going back to those times and man, seeing it and feeling what was going on in the other room, as well as the abuse, physical abuse, the sexual abuse, whether female babysitters, the teenage boys going through that, um, and I didn't spell out everything in the book in detail because sure. it involved a family member that I wasn't going to put on blast in a book.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But, but as I'm writing about that, obviously, I know the details. I know the names. I know the places that just it just I don't want to say felt real, but I was I was in it. In it as i was writing it more so than just speaking about it maybe because in the context of people being there and i don't have six hours like i do yeah when i was writing yeah. to talk about it but but it was uh it was great i'm so glad that i did it i mean for myself i, I didn't yeah. write it for myself i wrote it for other people um to give them hope and that redemption we talked about but it was yeah. it was amazing for me to, to go through that process in every aspect um, even the military stuff, which, you know, I was in multiple combat operations. Um, but I always say it's much different. It was pre nine 11, like Panama and desert storm wasn't near what post nine 11 combat was, but going through the feelings and emotions, being over the environment, being there not thinking I was ever going to see my, my son who was born when I was in desert storm, just going through those emotions and feelings, those aspects of it, man, it was, a. Yeah. It was really healing going through all my law enforcement career, um, how I started, you know, and I guess we I can get into this now a little bit because um, when I started, as you know, in law enforcement, man, I was walking with God. I was right on, and, and, yeah. and writing about that process, that slow change, as bitterness and anger and it grew in my heart, and I wasn't staying. In, in the word i wasn 't reading the Bible, and I had yeah. stopped going to church because I was working weekend graveyards and and that anger and, and I kept shoving things down, but I still kept you know the mask on the 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 Christian police officer' mask on, but inside there was something much different, not sharing with anybody actually what was going on with me, and just kept pushing forward, and that got worse and worse and worse until I ended up on that roof and the name of the books man on the roof because that was a that was a point in my life where you know after, after after chasing this guy on top of a roof, and I had that had a massive anxiety, panic attack. Although at the time, I had no idea what was going on on that roof. I thought I was going to die, man. I thought I was going to fall off, and I'm squatting down on this roof, and there's darkness and, you know, hate and just emptiness and darkness was in my heart. I knew something was wrong, and I, that was the point, and I knew what I should have done. And, and we do that a lot in life. We're, we're at these crosswords, for, forks in the road, and we know the right, but, man, we just... We take the easy way out, and the yeah. easy way out was for me and for a lot of us to just push it down and move forward. Yeah. You know, and after I did that, I went right into my second shooting, and after that second shooting is, is I just refuted, re- referred to as some dark, dark years where I was running really mm. hot and stepping outside relationship and multiple relationship with women, just going to work looking for someone to get my hands on, because my drugs, I didn't drink, I didn't do drugs, but man, my drug was violence at work, which was pretty yeah. easy to find working weekends in Whittier, and then uh, <laughs> women, and I had to get one of them, you know, when I wasn't at work, it, it was, you know, coaching my boys, I always always did that, the one positive thing in my life, although I started feeling pretty detached even doing that, um, lifting weights martial arts, because as i shared many times when i found myself sitting there just thinking and feeling the pain and the hopelessness it was a lot of times just holding my glock thinking man this is the way out but i couldn't go out that way because i had two boys and i wasn't going to go out like a coward i was going to go out like a hero so when i was at work man i was just i was just trying um trying to put myself in the worst situations possible, whether it's walking alleys in gang-infested areas or driving like a maniac to a a call, trying to get every hot call, just hoping I would get in a shooting. And it's not because I wanted to kill somebody. I wanted to make this clear. It wasn't like I wanted to kill somebody, take someone's life, man, but I needed that drug. And uh,
1: the
0: only time I didn't feel was when I was in the fight. Yeah. That was it. And uh, I was striving for it.
1: Yeah. What do you wish... um what do you wish you had not wish you can't go back and change anything, but let me ask you this way. What advice would you give to someone who is in a good place, but they're in maybe a law enforcement career. They're in that type of job. How do you stay in that place? And, you know, I mean, you, you know, my family and you know, my, my kids, you've been real involved with my, my son, particularly who's a new police officer. And so this is a, you know, something you've talked to him a lot about. And we've talked a lot about, um, but it's one thing to start right. How do you stay right? Looking back, what would you say are like the pillars, the things that you should have done that would have kept you on the right path?
0: Well, pillars, I would say exactly what we talk about in Mighty Oaks staying in the Word, right? Reading your Bible. And again, I was doing that a lot at the beginning, and then it waned. Yeah, I'd open it up, yeah. read a verse, you know, yeah. but not really diving into it. So being in the Word, I mean, that, that's, that's our instruction manual. And yeah. I say this all the time, like when I've walked obedient to God, what what He tells us in the Bible, our manual, my life has always been not always been good. I've always had peace, hmm. and that's one thing He, he guarantees. He doesn't guarantee sure. happiness or everything would mm-hmm. be great. But I've always had peace when I was walking with God. In my worst times, renting a room from a guy when everything was lost, you know, my kids weren't <laughs> talking to me, you know, going, right. going through my second divorce, just literally barely hanging on to a job, barely enough money to put gas in my car. But it was at that point when I made a huge change, right? And I really c- committed my life to God. I really took accountability. Man, it was one of the places I had the most peace. And that was when I was 44. So mm-hmm. being in that word, uh, being obedient to what God says. Um, the other pillar we talk about is being in prayer. You know, not just the generic prayers before, before uh, we eat, but really, yeah. I point out your heart to God, um, what you want. Uh, being in church, and I was in church uh, when I early on as a police officer, but I wasn't in church. Like I was showing up, right? And I, and I didn't didn't even, I didn't want to be there because it was like conviction. But mm-hmm. you know, being in fellowship. Being around other brothers, you know, and then the one area I always talk about, the other pillar, the fourth pillar is the area that I never had was brotherhood, a corner man we talk about that Mighty Oaks and that person that I could reach out to with those deepest, darkest things when things happen. And yeah. my best times, that wasn't something I never, never shared anything with anybody. And if I would have had that component, I think. Early on in my law enforcement career, when I was doing the other three things, when I was in church, when I was reading the Bible, when I was um, in prayer, if I would have had somebody, so when that bitterness was creeping in early on, um, like a place Ethan's in right now as he's starting his law enforcement career, man, that would be vital for him to have multiple guys that... When you see things when i would see when i saw that first dead kid that i'll never get mm-hmm. on my brain when i saw that little girl that was molested and it just tore me up uh women rape just all these different things you see you know the 15 year old boy the guy's blame brain, brain's blown out on the wall and i mean just and that's any police officer we go through that on a routine basis yep. but if i would have had that person that i could have reached out to I said, man that that's hard man i'm I'm hurting a little bit. I'm struggling yeah. a little bit with this. Um, my wife and me and my wife got in a fight, and I'm so angry with her. You know, it's what just
1: sharing,
0: yeah. being transparent, as you said. I think early on, if I would have had that. It, it would. And then somebody I respected and who would have kept me accountable. Not ah, that's cool, man. She was just, she's just a pain in the butt. That's how I was. Yeah. It. yeah. So I'm like, yeah hey, right. Man, you need an example. You need to love her. Like Christ loved the church, like really pushed me and held me accountable and, and told me those things. And somebody I respected, man, I think that would have been out of, out of the four things we, I, we just talked about. That probably would have been the key thing for me um, because that was a key thing I wasn't doing yeah. um, ever ever yeah. and that's the one thing i do now to this day because we still go through struggles i go through struggles all the time and attacks and issues with my wife and it's like, man i'm on the phone to, to jeff stiff or mike mike <laughs> griffin all the time like, yeah. hey, hey, hey guys, i did this and as we talk about, like, okay stupid you know <laughs> do this yeah, next time good. or pray for me and and yeah. but it's but just having that having that is is so vital for me um yeah Every day, knowing I got somebody when I when I'm dealing with something um, that I can reach out to and talk to. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I, I talked to both those guys. Man, definitely at least once a week, sometimes more if <laughs> it's a rough week. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we yeah. but we know what's important. And uh, and this is to your question. If I could go back and then, if you would ask me what's most important, I would have honestly told you God. My relationship with God's number one number two is my wife, number three is my kids, and then the job. And I believed it, but my actions didn't reflect that. You know, when I, when I chose to work weekends all the time, when I put myself through schools, when I was always at the gym, when I was always training martial arts, when I was doing these things, I was doing these things, What they were good things to be a better police officer. Um, absolutely. Um, how much was I in church? How much was I in the Word? How much right. was I making right. my, my wife a priority? doesn't matter what you say. It matters what you do. And I look back, man, my priorities were being the best cop I could be. And I was a pretty good street cop. I knew what I was doing there. Meanwhile, my family, my my uh, relationship with my wife, my relationship with God, most, most important, was suffering. You know, you ha- have to make, if that's your priority, you know, um, you have to make that. What you do every day line up with that, and that's what I didn't do. And and, and you always say this too, and and I love when you say this. Like you got to have the end goal in mind, something that <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. This is yeah paraphrase. You always you yeah. always say that, and I always think about that. You know, we got to know where we're going. You know, and when I was seventeen, I became a Christian, and I knew. And before that, growing up in my crazy home, and kind of backing up now. What I always wanted, what drove me in sports, was not to be this professional athlete and make all this money because I kind of equated being successful in sports with a happy family. So I always wanted a happy family. And then when I was 17, I became Christian, found out who Jesus was. I knew exactly who I wanted to be. I wanted to be a man of God, and I wanted a happy family. Never changed. In my worst, it never changed. But man, my actions were so far Mm, removed. From getting into to that place so like you said um, man knowing what that end goal is knowing who we want to be and then making sure our life lines up with it um, is is uh it's critical to get there because especially being in law enforcement or the military and you're going to be tested and i always tell those people about uh anybody who wants to be a police officer i know i said this to ethan many times is that you will not stay the same absolutely mm. not yep. you're either going to get much worse like yep. so many do, you're going to be much better. Yep. You know, you do not have to become an angry, bitter cop or fireman or Marine or soldier. Right. You don't have to deal. That. That, that's, that's a straight lie. But you're not going to stay the same, 100%. When you see those things, if you go to combat or if you see death and babies drowning in pools and all these, you will not stay the same but it can also lead you in that place where you can appreciate life more. And that's kind of where I am now the, that's good um, yeah. where I appreciate life so much more. It's so humbling, it's so like, man, I every single day is a gift. It really is, you know. And I say this all the time and I don't say it to be self-deprecating, but man, I don't deserve, man, I don't deserve any of this. I really mm-hmm. feel that I don't deserve it. But what can I do? What can I do with yeah. with the past? And I can thank God every day by serving him and helping other men and pushing forward and being that being that example and being that man that he created me to be. And that's how I'm thinking is keep going yeah. forward.
1: That's good. Keep marching. John, keep marching. Don't mar- march or die. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> man, there's a lot more we could talk about, John, but where, where can people find your book? Because you not only tell your story, but it, it is a story of hope. It's, uh, I didn't do the right things in the beginning, but God worked in my life. And here's some things you can do to move forward. Um where can people find the book and I, I think there's even an audio version of it.
0: Uh the audio's not done yet.
1: Not done yet. <laughs> yeah, it's it's coming. Stand by
0: yeah, Stand by on that one. <laughs> Sorry. I know I like audibles too. Um but you can get the book, it's Man on the Roof on Amazon. And then also Barnes and Noble.
1: Awesome. Yeah. John, I really appreciate you, man. Uh thanks for telling your story. Thanks for your thank you for all that you do. You've been an inspiration to me and um Thank you. you know, we, we've spent a lot of time together through jiu-jitsu and through a lot of other things and our work. <laughs> um, but you've been a blessing to me. You've been a blessing to my family and uh, really grateful for you. And thanks for telling your story a little bit.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you, brother.
1: Appreciate that conversation. Please go and check out John's book. You can find the link even in the show notes. Uh, You won't be disappointed. Great story, but really it's a story of hope and redemption. And uh, really happy to be able to share that with you. Take some time today. Go over to lifeaudio.com. Lifeaudio.com is where this show and other Great conversations, great podcasts are hosted, and I would encourage you to stop by there, check that out, and uh, you'll be glad that you did. Thank you again for joining the conversation. Subscribe if you're not, share this content out. That would be very helpful, and I look forward to talking to you next time. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone.